Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We took a break on Monday. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. Hope you guys all enjoyed your long Memorial Day weekend. Remember those that have fallen, uh, fighting for the freedom of this country. But hope you guys enjoyed Memorial Day. We want to do a podcast. We're going to do a day late with Coach Harvey Hyde on a Tuesday. Uh, Coach, I know he had fun over the weekend. We're going to talk to him in a second about everything that went on. I want to talk to you about, of course, USC football. Uh, lots of stuff going on, you know, getting ramped up, getting ready to go. So we wanted to get Coach Hyde on to answer some of your questions and talk about USC football. If you have questions for us, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can leave a voicemail a couple of different ways. Call 641-715-3900, extension 816-646, or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and click on the left side of the page, and you can leave a voicemail right from your computer or your device. Uh, if you want to subscribe on iTunes, that's the best way. iTunes.com slash Peristyle Podcast. You'll find our show and you can subscribe to it. You can leave us some feedback. Uh, five-star rating would be nice. So lots of different ways to get a hold of us. We hope you guys are enjoying the show. During the offseason, we're going to talk about kind of what's coming up for USC football and some parallels to the great college, uh, not college, NBA basketball game we saw uh, on Monday night on Memorial Day. And Without further ado, let's bring in the coach. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, if you really want to just get a hold of him quickly. He does like the tweet. What's going on, Coach? How are you? Brian, good morning to you. And I'll tell you, yesterday was really a thrilling day. In fact, the entire weekend was with all the NASCAR and Indianapolis 500. The great game you just described a moment ago, the NBA Western conference championship game and uh, just being with your family and and all the different things the barbecuing and all the aspects of what memorial day is about the history of it i had really a great opportunity to sit back and spend some time not just watching sports but watching some of the historical movies uh, about world war ii and some of the real heroes of people and what it's all about so today we're back at work and we'll talk about whatever topic uh you'd like to talk about and uh let's get started yeah that sounds good coach and i wanted to thank our sponsor southern california tickets so sctickets.com it's where you can go if you want to get tickets for a theater go to a concert uh i got i think i got zach brown band coming up with my wife here pretty soon um but also of course sporting events and not just usc events but other events across southern california and the entire nation go to sctickets.com or give them a call at 1-800-888 7287, give them a call. Tell them Coach Harvey Hyde sent you from the Peristyle Podcast. Maybe they'll give you some sort of deal. That would be nice. Uh, but sctickets.com is the place to go if you want to check it out. And, uh, Coach, there was a, I mean, a lot of sports going on over the weekend. And I did, I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I do love, uh, the playoffs. Same kind of thing with hockey. Like I like watching the playoffs more than anything. And game sevens are just something special. And it, it was there were I was watching the game and I saw some parallels to what we've seen from USC football over the last several years, where USC a lot of times they look like a dominant team. Um, they're the, they're you know probably the more talented team, and then somehow things don't work out and they don't put it together and they don't win. And 
you saw Oklahoma City, how well they were playing, and they were dominating the Golden State Warriors in game six at home and then blew that one and, and had to come back to uh, Oracle Arena up in uh, the Oakland area. Then the same kind of thing. They had a 13-point lead in game seven as well. I didn't think they'd come out and play well at all in game seven, and they, they proved me wrong. They completely did, but then they kind of reverted back to whatever it was in the second half and just basically choked the game away. And I don't know if you see, I mean, what, as a coach, like, have you seen that happen before where a team really looks that good and then all of a sudden does not? And do you see some kind of parallels to what we've seen with some of these USC teams over the last several years? Well, you know, you're, we're comparing basketball with football and you're playing, you're talking about playing a team seven times. So you get to know those teams pretty well and what they do and how to play them. And, and uh, you really don't have any secrets. You just go out and play. And a lot of times it's not what the other team does. It's what you do and how well you play. And you don't get away from what really works for you. For There was a period of time during the uh, playoffs where I thought the Warriors were tired. They looked very tired. And I think that, uh, you know, at that time, I thought the Thunder was going to win the series. I, I really did. I, I really thought they would because of the domination that they had over the Warriors. But then all of a sudden, uh, the Warriors woke up, and the Warriors, I mean, Thompson and Curry, I mean, well, I'd just like to see a highlight film on them. You know, when you see a game and then afterwards you hear the players and you listen to the post-game interviews, classy, classy guys on both teams. I mean, no excuses, really classy as far as, you know, they beat us. And you can see the, the Jackson as far as on Oklahoma City and, and the Westbrook and Durant, and, and then you see the excitement on the other side, and very carefully talking about their next series with Cleveland, not giving them any ammunition; they don't need it anyway. And 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 you and you just say, "Wow!" And and I tell you, you couldn't have had a better series. I, I don't know. In fact, I would have been completely satisfied with that being the championship series. I don't know how they're going to play a, a series <laughs> like that. But you know what I mean, Ryan? Yeah, that's completely. that's unbelievable. So. You know, with that in mind, uh, you've got, you've got to really pay attention to what you do and what you do well. Somehow you won 73 games, okay? And you did it with domination. Well, you go back to do what you do well. You don't let someone change you. And they passed the ball. They threw the ball around. They moved the ball. They made fantastic shots like they made the entire season. They played hard. They never let up. They always played hard. And when they got behind in a lot of those games, too, and that happens in football, too. When you get behind, sometimes you're just not on. Sometimes you drop passes. Sometimes you just miss a pass. Sometimes you get a clip on a touchdown and you have to call. Uh, the play gets called back or certain things. So you control your own destiny. You've heard that always, you know. You control your own destiny on how you'll play and what the outcome of an event will be. And I think that's the way the Warriors played that game. They figured that they got there by doing something right, and they do. And they went back to that. They never gave up. They played hard. And I thought that the Thunder got away from their game a little bit, and I think that happens in football too. Sometimes teams, are the running game is really going well, and all of a sudden, for some reason, they decide to pass the football. We see that a lot of times as far as with football games. Yeah, I mean, why did you pass the ball? Or why don't you keep running the ball? Or why don't you do this or do that or run that play that's been working so well? Sometimes you try to get too smart. Sometimes you outthink yourself. What you need to do is play the basics and, and get what got you there and continue to play that way. 
And I think that's sometimes what USC does. Sometimes they just don't put people away. They've got to play their type of football. They've got to be in command of the game. Remember, we're USC, and you're trying to be USC. And you put the pressure on their side of the football. Don't put it on yourself. And I think this is the confidence level that you've got to have in college football or any level when you're the best. And until you believe you're the best, it's hard for you to play at the best level. And someone's got to feel that there's a doubt in their mind they're going to beat you. And and you, you, you always know something's going to happen where you're going to win this football game. And I think that's exactly the way the Warriors played. And I think that same thing does come back and 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 be a part of all sports, especially football. You've got to believe that something's going to happen. Someone's going to make a play. We're going to beat this team the way we got here and who we are. And that's why it's so important to have an identity. You and I have talked about identities all the time with USC football. What's their identity? Establish that identity and go with that identity and don't let anything get you away from that identity. And and make people say, we got to take that away from them. If we don't take that away from them, we don't have a chance. So, you know, never give up. And, of course, always play for play for the win and, 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 you know, and have the confidence to be able to be who you are. And I think that's what USC is trying to do. They've got to get back to that confidence level. They've got to get back to the level of believing. They've got to get back where people are afraid to come into the Coliseum, but they just don't know how they can beat USC there. And that's been lacking. So you got to bring all of that back. You've got to be able to play hard. You've got to be able to thump people. And, and, and this is what needs to come back to the level of what USC uh, football and fans expect. You know, and Coach, you brought up a great point about the, the, the parallels there, but there's also a big difference where you're talking about a seven-game series, and we've seen you know blowouts both ways. Um, when you play the team seven times, and basketball and football are very different, but only playing once, it's there's a different. It's it's kind of like every football game. Every week is a game seven because this is the only chance you got. And anyone that's ever played a sport, you've gone out there sometimes, and something you're good at, you just aren't that good that day for whatever reason. And that you know, I think that kind of thing happens in football too. But there's a lot of pressure, and that's why coaching, in my opinion, in college football is so important because it's like playing a game seven. That if you come out, you know, sometimes you see a team come out and play crappy in the first half but they're significantly better than the other team. And then they just turn it on the second half and they're able to win. When you're playing a team, at a similar level. It's hard to do that. It's hard to not be on for half of the game and still be able to come out victorious. So that's to me, coach, that's why college football coaching is so important because there's just so little room for error. When you come to a game, you have 60 minutes. That's your whole week. I mean, basically for a year you see that team again it's not like you gotta you know take a night off and you're on the road and you get to see them in 48 hours it's it's a lot different but i to me it puts more pressure on each one of those games because they they hold so much more significance i agree with you 100 percent. in fact i used to name every game uh ryan i used to say well it's the duck bowl if we were playing oregon or if we were playing the utes it's the ute bowl Whatever bowl, you have to make every single game be like a bowl game. You have to say, hey, there's not another chance. You know, We've got to win this game. Uh, we've got to be able to win this game. So you make them a bowl game. You make them a challenge. You just let people know that there's no tomorrow. There's not a second chance at what we do today. So uh, 
you know, this is this. You're exactly right. You know, and you, you when you consider the day as as you just mentioned, how much each win means or loss means in recruiting and national ranking and bowl games and all of the above. And you look at the Pac-12. There isn't any gimme games anymore, right? There's there's not a gimme game anywhere. And when you have non-conference uh, games like USC is playing. Wow, I look at most of the preseason publications. You've got Alabama one on in all of them, and you've got Stanford in the top ten in all of them. I mean, uh, you know, two of their first three games are going to play teams in the top ten. Stanford's as high as six and seven in some of these preseason magazines. So they got a real challenge, and they got to go after this, and they got to understand that hey, this is our level of competition. This is the level we have to play at. And that's why the Alabama game is so important to USC as far as the football program. They've got to go down there, and they've got to not dominate, but they've got to go down and play a domination type of football game so they get back into the level of who they are. You see Alabama coming into California now and recruiting the top players in, in California. That's embarrassing to have someone come across country and start taking your top players back to Alabama. You look at all the recruiting lists that are out there. Alabama's in the top five for every top player in college football or high school football. So, you know, and you, and you don't see USC in those type of uh, same levels all the time. And, Ryan, you're into the recruiting, and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, you've got to be able to beat these type of teams. So, again, you gain the dominance of what USC is about, and kids do want to come back and play for USC because who you are. And that's why – the Alabama game is so important, and the Stanford game is so important on what happens to USC football this coming year. It is very important. And and I, the other thing to keep in mind, Coach, and, and this gets talked about every once in a while, but you look at the uh, you know Alabama, you know how they won all the things last year. If you played the exact same season two or three times in a row, the exact same teams, are, I don't think the results would be the same. It's just, just because – like Alabama beats LSU one weekend and it's a close game. They could play the next weekend, the exact same teams and have it the other, you know, be the other way around. It's that's, what's kind of strange about college football is if people look, take it as this absolute, like oh, Alabama beat LSU. They're definitely the better team. It's not always that case. Everything, anything can happen on any given week. Um, and like I said, if you just roll the dice and just redid the entire season with the exact same rosters, coaches, scenarios and everything, you would have a completely different result. The, the final rankings would be different. There would be a lot of games that just would go the other way just because you, you played on a different day, you know? So it's I think people look at it like, well, this was an absolute thing. UCLA beat USC, so they were better team. It just, it's not always that case, but that's, that's what I think, what, one of the things that makes college football so great. It's a short time, and there's so much riding on those 60 minutes. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. I think college football is great. And I think all of our listeners agree with us when we talk about college football. There's nothing better than the excitement of tailgating, going to a college football game, cheering for your team, going on the road, talking about it all year round, reading the publications. It's all part of it. It's it's what unites the campus and the alumni with the campus. And there's been studies made that when teams are successful, there are more applications to the university. There's more contributions to the university, but there's more pride in the school. It's just it's just a part of 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 a atmosphere on a college campus and the alumni. So college football is absolutely exciting, and 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 it's really important that schools that are expected to have that level of excellence 
has it. Now, there's a lot of people that say, okay, they had an eight and five year or whatever. That's okay. That's acceptable. They've had a lot of problems. Hey, but hey, now it's not acceptable. It's time to get back into that level of competition what people expect. The the old uh, price of tickets are going up. The renovation of the Coliseum is going up. People are asked to pay more and send in more contributions. They'll do it. But also, and I'm I'm saying they also want to see you become successful so that they can brag at the country clubs and walk around town all day and laugh at the other schools and and uh, say we're the best. So, uh, you know, it's, it's what you call uh, amateur athletics. It's what you call collegiate football. But there's a lot more to that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little USC football, Coach, um, more directly. And uh, we had Earl in West L.A. He's going to bring up the Notre Dame games. If you guys don't remember, uh, last October, Notre Dame beat USC 41-31. I think they were ranked Irish. Were ranked, the Fighting Irish were ranked number 14 at the time. Um, and Earl wanted to talk about that. So let me, uh, I'll read what he says. He said, I watched the Notre Dame game again recently. And with time in the absence of the emotions of that incredible week, I was able to view the game far more objectively. It was a great game. We dominated the second and third quarters while Notre Dame rolled in the first and fourth quarters. The loss came down to four plays. Cody Custer threw two interceptions. The first was underthrown and the second was forced into coverage. The receiver on both attempts was Juju Smith-Schuster. The second interception was most concerning as a Trojan receiver was wide open in the right flat, but Cody decided to force it to Juju instead. In spite of those interceptions, the 10-point margin of defeat came down to special teams, a block punt for the Irish touchdown, and a missed USC field goal. Based on past experience, I have a lot of confidence in John Baxter improving our special teams. My question is, what about Max Brown? Will he be prone to look for just Juju first? I know in practice they spread the ball around more, but in the game, it's about who you can trust. Darius Rogers and Stevie Mitchell seem to be trustworthy receivers. Do you think Max will see it that way in games, or will he become focused only on Juju? Thanks for all you do, Earl in West L.A. Well, you know, uh... Of course, you realize, and Max realized who's the you know preseason. He's the preseason all all American on every one of these preseason publications, and he should be. He's one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best receiver in the country. So, of course, you're aware of where he is, but you also have to be aware that he'll become a better receiver if you utilize your other receivers that are on your team, and the other receivers on USC teams are, a team is is a great, great uh, capable receivers. And I think that with Max or Harold Sam or uh, Darnold or whoever the quarterback is, I hope it's Max Brown. He deserves the opportunity. I think he will not lock on to Juju as much as what Cody did because they played a lot together. I think he'll be able to spread the ball around a little bit. At least I hope he does take advantage of the other receivers and they'll become a better football team. Uh, and again, he's got to withstand the pressure of a receiver such as Juju coming back in the huddle and saying, I was open, I was open, throw me the ball, throw me the ball, I was open, I was open. And again, this has to be a part of the coaching staff, T. Martin, the offensive coordinator, and saying, let him throw the ball to the person he should throw the football to. Not that he doesn't know you're out there. So he can't succumb to the pressures of everybody wanting the football. Because you're a better quarterback when you don't feel that pressure as far as I've got to throw the ball to Juju. I've got to throw the ball to him. 
because he's the great receiver or he's the one that's going to come back in the huddle and tell me he's open. You just throw the ball to the right person with your reads, and all of a sudden things will start to roll. But it's impossible to cover everybody on a football field when you have great receivers and you utilize the tight end and your backs. This is something that they're going to have to utilize. You've heard me talk about the tight ends all the time. If you utilize your tight ends in the middle of the field and seams and flats and bootlegs and different parts of the field, post and post corners and all of that, it's very difficult for a secondary to cover them all. So you've got to be able to understand that maybe Juju isn't going to catch 70 passes or 80 passes or 90 passes that Woods caught and and all of these other guys caught because that isn't what makes you a better football team. It's utilizing everybody, and that becomes everybody's then job to block in every single play, be ready for the pass on every single play. Don't loaf because you don't think the ball's coming to you and play hard. And then Max will be a better quarterback too, because he knows he doesn't have that pressure to force the football into one receiver because of stats and how necessary those stats are for him to become an all American. You become an all American because of your team winning number one and the Heisman trophy winner, but your team wins. And you've got to be thinking about your team before you think about your personal uh, goals and your personal awards and all of that that goes along. So that's how I feel on that. So it's a part of a team effort and the coaching staff making him understand and some of the great stars that will be at SC and have been at SC, like those great receivers, understand they may not catch the ball 100 times a game, which they are down a game a season like they had done in the past. All right. Uh, well, thanks for that one, Earl. It kind of went all over the place, but I, I see what he was talking about, getting back to the Notre Dame game. You kind of break down some of the throws. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't remember the Notre Dame game that much now. Yeah, it's, that was October. It's hard. I, you know, I don't remember what I had for breakfast. So, uh, But it's good. You know, trip back memory lane. You can remember some of those plays. Um, now, one of the topics that's been hot in college football is the whole the, the scandal that happened at Baylor, just terrible. Everything that's been going on. You know, Art Bryles, who... People talked about it as maybe being a replacement for when Steve Sarkeesian got fired coming to USC. Most of the sources I talked to, Coach, didn't seem like he was the guy that wanted to leave Texas. But him, he's out. The president gets demoted. Crazy stuff. And, we, you know, obviously, you know, their recruiting class for Baylor's falling apart. I get a lot of tweets about, are USC going after a lot of the Baylor recruits, which I just don't think there's a lot of overlap. I haven't dug into it too deeply. Uh, but we we get a lot of questions about it, Coach. And, and Lamar from from the desert, from Lancaster, uh, he wrote in and said, It's been a while since I sent you an email, but with the recent allegations of self-posed violations at Baylor, if they were allowed players to transfer out of the program, do you think that USC would be uh, recruiting players uh, for defensive line help from that program? Um, I haven't dove into that much, Coach. I don't know if you looked at it or not. I, doesn't seem like it's a likely thing, but just kind of get your thoughts. Well, I don't know if they're going to release the players or not from the program. I don't think they will. Uh, they did with the USC situation. Uh, uh, I don't know. Would I recruit players from the from the uh, Baylor football program at the defensive line if I was at USC? I think every individual player is a different uh, a situation. I don't think that if a player wants to leave Baylor and he had nothing to do with anything there whatsoever and he's he's clean and everything else, then why wouldn't I? I mean, he has to go by this, you know, director of admissions. He has to 
you know, be cleared to get in school. And, and, you know, I hate to see kids punished when when they had nothing to do in anything, like a lot of kids at USC during their sanction period. Uh, uh, yeah, I would. Uh, that's my decision now because, uh, you know, you hear people saying that kids deserve second chances. Well, this isn't a second chance. This kid, if I was to recruit him, really didn't have any problems and wasn't involved in anything there. So if he didn't, if he wasn't involved in any of the cases, and I don't really even know what they are, to tell you the truth. Well, I know that they've done a lot of uh, firing there, and I think the AD left too, resigned. So they're probably pretty serious charges, but I would look at every individual player individually and say, first of all, I'm not going to bring somebody that isn't going to help us. Somebody that isn't going to help us as far as a student leader, as far as a football player, and a guy that can play or start for us. I'm not bringing any backups, okay? And then also I'm going to make sure that he's completely clean and our compliance department would check with everyone to make sure he was. And, and I would bring him if he was admitted and could play right away. Why not? Why wouldn't I do that? I don't know. Some people might say, oh, no. Well, not me. I, I would say if this kid is a good kid and had nothing to do with any of the problems there at Baylor, I'd, I'd recruit him, certainly, especially if he can help us get better. Yeah, those situations, and this would be – I don't think Baylor would self-impose this. This would be a situation where the NCAA came in and – basically said what they did for USC that anyone on the current team is allowed to transfer out without penalty because you know you might get a transfer with penalty but mostly for the USC case and we put stuff in the war room about some situations some transfer possibilities like a graduate transfer we talked about this USC kind of needs defensive line help not kind of does right away if possible uh with Kenny Bigelow going down that certainly hurts um so this would be a situation where by the time this, you know, in the next couple of months, the NCAA would have to give them anyone in the program the ability to transfer out, which I think would be a crushing blow. It's already crushing that they lost, you know, essentially their whole recruiting class. And then that player would have to be really a perfect fit for what USC wanted, what the player wanted, someone that's like not, you know, born and raised in Waco that never wanted to leave. I mean, really someone that's, you know, maybe came from out of state to go to Baylor and then, you know, wouldn't mind going to USC. It just, I think would have to be a perfect kind of scenario. I just don't see that, that switch, you know, switching on. Now maybe USC gets someone from down the road. And like I said, I haven't gone through the roster and tried to look for any, you know, perfect fits, but it's, it's kind of a long shot. I think for the NCAA to rule that over the next couple of months before the season, what USC needs is help for the fall of 2016 to me, it just seems unlikely that's going to come from, from Baylor right now. Well, I don't know, and uh, I don't know exactly. I don't really know what the cases are and what's going on there. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, in all the preseason magazines I've been reading, they're in the top five in every single one of them. So uh, their program is certainly going to suffer. And uh, I don't know what the situation is there as far as what went on. But uh, as as you mentioned, if if a kid is a qualifier and a kid can get in USC and he's clean and so on, and the NCAA allows that, and the kid makes contact with the university, then I think you should look at all the options as far as making you a better football team. But uh, and also a quality person into your program, but you certainly are going to be criticized for it, no matter who it is, by people as far as why would they take him now here now here we are doing this or doing that. So you got to really make sure that you're doing the correct things. Yeah, I agree 100%, Coach. All right. Um, 
this is, I guess, kind of a related topic. I, this was came out of the blue from our buddy Tarek. Um, he wants to know, I don't think this is applying to USC, but maybe, you know, other places. Uh, how much time should a coach be given before he is put on the hot seat? What do you think, Coach? Well, that's a good question, depending what type of program you go into and what the other coaches left you, you know, first of all, and what the philosophy is of the university. So they're all different, you know, uh, of exactly uh, uh, what what you should be as far as on the hot seat. Sometimes you, you go into a program, the coach has left that program to go to the NFL, and he's got some great players there. All you need to do is just continue motivating those players and and uh, get a staff that knows these players and keep coaching them and make sure that they continue to play hard and understand uh, what it's all about. Have a little change, just continue on the momentum. Now, it's not easy to do. They did it at Miami. Uh, the number of years they changed coaches down there, they continue to win. Uh, they do it, well, they doing it at Ohio State. They had some trouble in Michigan, but now Harbaugh's there. These are the type of programs that, that demand uh, excellence. And, uh, and and they have a little bit different of pressure than you are if you're at another school that doesn't have the same type of pressure that they do uh, at these big schools such as USC, UCLA, Stanford, and so on. But I think that a, a coach should have a period of time, depending what the uh, situation is in each program, like Mike Leach at Washington State. They're giving him time to get that program reset. And he's doing a great job. I mean, when he went up there, you know, the, the program really didn't have any uh, really concrete. Nobody feared them. Now you fear them. You don't want to play them now. I'm going to tell you that right now. They'll beat anybody in every, any on any Saturday. You look at the preseason magazine and you say they got several players on prediction to be on all conference teams. And, hell, there's nobody that recruited these guys but them. So he's doing a great job up there. So you're going to give him more time, and he's going to get an extension on his contract so all the recruits know he's going to be around. And guys that love to play that style of football are going to go there. Now at Oregon, you're not going to have a lot of time at Oregon. Uh, if you're going to follow Skip Kelly, you know, you better win. And you better win because they're used to winning there. So, you know, you better win uh, a lot of games there. Uh, at uh, places that have been winning, uh, you know, they, they don't have any patience because they feel that the players are there. you got to continue to win. Last, last year, uh, Luckily, they got a transfer quarterback that did a great job. When he got hurt in a bowl game, they just fell apart. They were up 35 nothing or something at half, and they lost the football game. Well, that didn't sit well with the Oregon Duck fans and the administration. And, of course, a guy named Phil Knight, he didn't like that at all. So there's a lot of pressure there at the Oregon situation to maintain the excellence they have in their football program. And you take USC now. Let's talk about USC. USC is in a position where they've, they've been struggling and people have been saying, well, the reason they haven't been great is because of the sanctions and what's been going on with the program and we have any consistency and we've had a lot of coaches. Well, okay, that goes that goes for so long. People can understand that. But after a while, people say, I'm tired of hearing that. And they don't listen to that anymore. And all of a sudden they want people to win. So I don't think you give a guy as long as what normally you might give a guy. I think Clay Helton's got pressure on him. Clay Helton's got to win. Clay Helton, and yet having a very tough schedule, has got to win so many games for people to be happy. And eight wins uh, is something that would be great on that schedule, but people aren't going to be happy with eight games. They've had too many eight-game seasons in a row. And right now they're two, they have a great recruiting class, 
That's why it's the number one recruiting class in the country. Now it's matured to be a point. And you remember when they were talking about this is the team they recruited to play Alabama. Well, this is the time you're going to play Alabama. So you better go down there and play Alabama. And the people are going to look at this and say, hey, if you don't play Alabama well, people are not going to be happy. They're not going to travel to Arlington to be humiliated on national television. So I'm going to tell you right now, you better go down to Alabama and you better play your butts off and you better come home with a lot of pride in the program. Even the people that travel there better come home and say, you know, I'm really proud of the way they're playing. We're going to have a great season. Then you better come back and beat Stanford. Because people only give you so much time no matter who the coach is. Because they want to get back to where they can brag and the dominance and they send their checks in and all of the above. So it depends what the program is, what they expect. And I think right now USC is in that type of situation right now. People want to see victories. People want to see 9, 10, 11, 12 victories. And they're, not, they're tired of waiting. I'm telling you, I really feel that. No, Coach, I agree. It, it's so dependent on the situation. Um, you know, sometimes a, a coach wins a championship and he's got tenure. You know, he's, you know, we saw Gene Chizik win a championship and he's out two years later at Auburn. So there's every situation's different. And I do think the last couple of coaches, because of the, I guess, you know, there was questionable, you know, there was a lot of questions about the hires that USC brought in with Steve Sarkeesian being kind of like, Hey, it just seems like it's Lane Kiffin. I think there was pressure on Sarkeesian to win basically right away. He was almost instantly on the hot seat if he wasn't winning. And it's a very similar situation with Clay Helton, just because you're kind of keeping that same regime going Clay Helton's got of like not it's it's not like a brand new thing where if you brought in someone from outside, they're not going to be expected to pay for anything that happened the last couple of years. But you know Clay Helton was there, and so I think part of that's on him and the questionable nature of you know not going outside, just hiring from within, puts more pressure kind of right away. I thought if they maybe if they brought in Chip Kelly, you know he'll have pressure to win right away. They're going to pay him a lot of money and all that kind of stuff, but he would at least be given time to kind of establish his own identity and bring his own, you know, to, I just don't know if Clay Helton's going to have that kind of time. So probably not fair, um, you know, for the, the, the pressure that Clay Helton's under right now and, and being, you know, almost instantly on the hot seat if he's not winning right away. I don't think that's a really fair situation, but he also was given an opportunity to run the USC program that someone else with his resume wouldn't have got. So he kind of got a great opportunity. Now it probably comes with a little more pressure than, you know, what a what a, a, a coach that was hired from outside that had like a, a much more developed resume would have. Um, but yeah, there's it's just so dependent, though. And I think you put it really well. It just depends on the situation. Every situation is different. Every coach is different programs, what they've done in the last five years, what they've done over the last 50 years. So many things go into and there's no official hot seat, you know, per se. But you kind of get the feel when you, you read the media reports and stuff, who's on the hot seat and who's not. You're exactly right, and uh, and I think that uh, you you explained it very well too, Ryan. It's uh, it's a funny situation now. He has a five year contract, I believe, but buying out people or getting rid of people at SC has certainly not been a problem. With the number of uh, or the amount of salaries people have been making, uh, the buyouts that are that have been going on that I've been reading now. Of course, this is just what I read. I don't know. But money hadn't been a problem as far as doing that. And I think that uh, they probably figure that uh, 
they've got to win, and it's worth whatever it costs to to buy out a coach and and move on. But I I, I tell you, Clay Helton, I like Clay Helton. I hope he gets it done. He was able to put his entire staff together. He brought in his own defensive coordinator. He elevated T. Martin. He's done everything. He brought in his brother, brought in Galloway, brought in all the coaches. So he was able to put together a staff that he feels will bring the excellence that is expected at USC. It's not an easy job. But how many easy jobs are there? And, and <laughs> there's 10 of these jobs in the country. And you know who they are. Notre Dame, uh, Iowa, or not Iowa, Michigan State, uh, is now into that area now where there's uh, they expect to win and all the others we talk about all the time. So, but USC people want to be back into the talk of the town. They want to be back and talking about the top ten team. Look at all the preseason magazines. There's not a lot of pride there, and some they're not even ranked. So that's not what the Trojans' uh, family wants. Yet they have them picked to win the Pac-12 South in most of the magazines too. So that says a lot, and that gives you additional pressure. So, again, now, this is what the preseason magazines are saying, and I'm just re- telling you what I've been reading and, of course, what I see. we got one last one for you, Coach. Eric in Duck Country, we'll let you go. Uh, he says, we tend to define, quote-unquote, pro style as being quarterback under center, eye formation, fullbacks, etc. But in today's NFL, we see passers spending the vast majority of their time in the shotgun with three to four wide receivers. I often hear people say that SC needs to remain a quote-unquote pro-style offense in order to appeal to big-time quarterback recruits. Uh, do you think that's the case, or is it simply an excuse to hold on to, to tradition? Uh, is this way of thought holding the team back from its true potential? While it turns my stomach to say this, could you imagine a Chip Kelly offense with USC athletes? Thanks for everything. Eric and Duck Country, and uh, Eric, I I did imagine that, and I thought I thought that would be a great thing. Uh, USC obviously went in a different direction, but I thought that would be I, I thought it would be amazing to watch for USC fans, even though a lot of people hate Chip Kelly. Well, you know, it's 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 not the the it's the athletes, it's the coach, it's the philosophy, and then the athletes that play in your system. You've got to have the type of athletes that can play in your system. If Chip Kelly came to USC, what quarterback do you think really fits his style? Not many at USC currently right now. They basically have recruited the pro-style quarterbacks, but yet they run the offense really that that I don't think fits their style of quarterback. I really like to see them in a pro. I really would like to see them in a pro, and I'm I'm not saying they wouldn't get in a gun once in a while, the the different types of uh, spread formations, but you have to do that. You have to do that. You have to keep people off balance. Uh, you see Ohio State doing that. You see Michigan doing it. A combination of both. You see uh, Alabama doing it. A combination of both. It's good to be good at both styles when you have great players. So, But I think that toughness is what makes your football program and great athletes. And you've got to be able to be dedicated to the tough side of it. And you've got to be dedicated to have your personnel fit the style of football that you're teaching. And that they believe in it as you believe in it. And they understand they come there because of what they've seen on the field. And uh, right now, we'll we'll see exactly what Clay Helton's style of football is. He's not the offensive coordinator anymore. He's the head coach of the style of football that's played on the defensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the ball, the special teams. He's responsible for all of it. So it's got to be a philosophy that he's seen, he's learned, and he knows what he can win with. And that's the way you got to be. You got to be. It's got to be Clay Helton's 
responsibility for all of the above. No one else. It's not Pentagast. Pentagast is, uh, excuse me, I always say his name wrong. Pentagast uh, defense. It's not T. Martin's offense. It's not John Baxter's special teams. They just happen to be coaching those positions. It's Clay Helton's all of the above, and he's responsible for all of it. All right, Coach, great stuff. We always seem to find things to talk about, even during the offseason. But thanks for the great questions and uh, cool topics we get to talk about USC football. Uh, summer workouts are going to be starting here any day now, so we're waiting on that. And then, of course, fall camp uh, in early August. So this should be a lot of fun. But thanks again, Coach, for coming on and uh, sharing all your insights. Thank you very much, guys. And remember, go to Southern California Tickets because I, I got some tickets to Barbara Streisand. What do you think about that? That's pretty cool, Coach. I never saw – well, I've, I've never seen her in but, concert, but I've heard it's great. Yeah, well, it might be her last tour, so I thought I'd better jump aboard and get some good tickets. Nice. All right. Well, thanks, Coach, for coming on. And everyone else, check, check out Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. We're going to have Dan Weber on tomorrow to answer more of your questions. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287 or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concerts, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.